Es como si los niños estuvieran hechos para vivir en el agua. Saltan, salpican y nadan. Como si nunca tuvieran que salir del agua para respirar. Si tan solo eso fuera verdad, año tras año, el ahogamiento es la principal causa de muerte en niños pequeños. Por eso, a menos de que los niños se conviertan en peces, las clases de natación, las cercas y la supervisión ayudan a mantenerlos seguros. Visite PoolSafely.gov para más información. Hello, beautiful souls, and I am so excited to bring you this week. Okay, I said it was going to get juicy, and I said you were introduced to this a few years ago. Think Fifty Shades. That's right. We're talking about BDSM today, and you guys are going to learn all about what that means, all the safeties and precautions around it, the conversations that need to ensue before you even begin, and all the fun things that go along with it. So without further ado, I bring you Gaia Morissette back on because she is an expert in this field, and I think you're going to really love this conversation. Enjoy, peeps. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Gaia, I am so happy to have you back on the podcast. I love conversations with you, which, yes, we have long conversations because they're fascinating <laughs> and it's hard not to have them. Yes, but- I'm constantly hanging up on you. I'm like, listen. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yep, yeah, they are. They're fascinating. I, I, I love this woman. Just want you to know that. So today we are talking about BDSM, what that means, a whole bunch of misunderstandings around it, and some language so that everybody is clear on what it is, what it offers, and how you can have fun. Woohoo! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, so Empress and the guy, Empress Guy is in the house. So you know, if you listen to our last one, it was you know kind of high priestess healer that was in the house. Empress Guy is <laughs> none of those things. <laughs> no, she's not a. <laughs> so if you're like, wow, this is a very different take on Gaia. Yes, it will be. All right, just as a <laughs> FYI for all those who are viewing and listening. Let's start with the definition of BDSM. I think we should start with the definition and maybe some terminology around it so that everyone's clear on what we're talking about and everyone has the same language. Okay. BDSM stands for a whole bunch of stuff. So we have B for bondage, D for dominance, S for sado, M for masochist. We got S and M for uh, slave and master. We have dom, sub. It's, it's basically, there's all these different terminologies that are all fall underneath that category of BDSM. And typically for me, when I say BDSM, I basically, to simplify it, kink. <laughs> Just simplifies whatever that definition means for you. And all the, all the levels and areas of that spectrum. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Right. And when I identify kink, kink is anything that is not vanilla. And I guess we should talk about vanilla too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
what's your definition of vanilla? And then I'll weigh in on my definition. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I just look at vanilla, I think it's pretty boring, but that's just me. <laughs> Each to their own. I don't like that so much. However, um, so for me, vanilla would be pretty standard, typical sex that is um, less playful, less exploratory, um, doesn't really involve anything beyond just, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. I think missionary. I think I think simple positions really when I think of vanilla. I I and I don't think it's really talking too much and I don't think it's I don't think it's really expanding who you are or playing in the bedroom as much as it certainly can be. Mm -hmm. So my definition of vanilla is basically missionary, doing it with the lights off. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> unless that's your kink. <laughs> where it's for me to turn off the lights, but you know, that basic sort of, and a basic sequence of kissing, groping, maybe oral sex, maybe right. not oral sex, and intercourse or penetration of some sort. Right. And then go, 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 get off, done. <laughs> and then done. Right. And then we're done. Right. So that's my definition of vanilla. Um, so, I think it's really important because when we set up the parameters of what kink and what BDSM could look like, can you, so pretty much anything outside of that could technically fall into the realm of kink, depending right. on who you are and where your sexual exploration is. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you have to swing from the chandeliers and, uh, you know, get go hardcore, you know, from your nipples. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It might, if that's your thing, but it doesn't have to go from doing it missionary to swinging from the chandeliers from your nipples. There's so much variety and possibilities in between those worlds. Which was, I have to say, one thing that was really good that came out of Fifty Shades of Grey was there was a lot of introduction to some sides of kink through that book. And a lot of people were interested in those sides of kink but still sit back going, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Or I can't ask my partner for that, even though I really want to try that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So back to terms. Sorry. I got sidetracked there. My bad. I did too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So some terms, so terms you're going to hear us often use is dom, dominant, dominatrix, these are power positions and power exchange positions. So the dominant in a scene, and a scene is what um, a sexual activity, the, 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 the sex uh, scene is. The, the sex scene is, right? That's what it's called in, in the BDSM world. It's called the, you know, scene. Um, and so you have a dominant in that situation who's running the show. Then you have your, or top, right? So it's like you got top, dom, dominant, male, female scenario. And then we have our submissives, which can be identified as, you know, a slave, a submissive, a bottom. There's all sorts of different levels of power exchange that happens. And those levels of power exchange always 
if you do it from a place of healthy and consent, which is all that we really support here. And we <laughs> talked about consent in a previous podcast, so we know what enthusiastic, exuberant consent means. Um, is a negotiation of what everybody's power exchange and roles are going to be before the scene happens. So that's very really important. important, very, very important for yeah. everybody to understand. And to set up the guidelines and everyone agrees on those guidelines. Yeah. Yes. Which and has the expectations going in. Yes. Which brings us to hard limits. You'll mm -hmm. hear that terminology. We have hard limits and soft limits. And so a hard limit is, fuck no, never going to happen, no way. And before you go into a scene, everybody needs to know what those hard limits are. And they're absolutely respected. Uh, a soft limit is, well, I might be open to some part of that. We need to sit down and negotiate what that looks like. Um, there's a little more fluidity in, a so in soft limits than there are for hard limits. Now, in a soft limit, wouldn't that also be where a safe word would come in? Because it could be something I'm not familiar with. I want to try that. Nope, this ain't okay when you're in the midst of it, right? Yeah. And which is great. So let's talk about safe words, right? <laughs> <laughs> pineapple, pineapple. <laughs> so a safe word is something that is predetermined. So every par both parties or however many parties are in your scene all know that when this word is said, everything stops immediately. Now you can, there's a standard of green, yellow, red. And I'll go into those in a second. Or you can be creative, like with pineapple or kumquat or whatever. Shirley <laughs> Temple. Shirley Temple. <laughs> okay, whatever. Oh, no. Whatever one you want to come up with. All right. Um, so green, which very rarely does anybody ever use, is go, more, like it. Yellow, it can be used in two different ways. One, I'm getting, letting the submissive, the bottom is letting the, the top or the dominant know that they're getting close to red. Or yellow can also be used as a way to check in without um, breaking the scene or, or breaking any rules about power exchange. It's, a, it's like yellow, somebody needs a check in. Could be that my left ass cheek hurts. Uh, I got a cramp in my I foot. I got a cramp in my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really need to go pee. Um, you know, it, it could be any of those things, right? So yellow is used from that capacity. That's when I'm playing. That's usually how I use yellow. It's just a great way of just checking in. And then red is, minute red is said, there's not one more hit. There's not one more moment. It immediately stops. And then the dominant needs to check in with the submissive to find out what they need. Do they need that the scene stops, everything stops, just the activity stops, what's going on there? It's very important to be really, really clear and always, always checking in and always having that consent. Yeah. All the way always. through. All the way through from start to finish, finish. to after. So let's talk about aftercare because that's a terminology that you should hear. If you're not hearing in and in the conversation and negotiation of uh, play, of how aftercare is going to be handled, then I highly recommend do not play because that person is not responsible. <laughs> Which you and I talked about before, because there's a lot of misconceptions in this 
particular space where people think that it's all about beatings and things like that. And there is a massive distinction between a dominant and submissive situation where the dominant is there to care for the submissive. In some way, shape, or form, that dominant is responsible for that submissive. Whereas sometimes we will see dominants that don't give a flying hoot about the submissive and they just do what they want. And they don't set up the rules and they don't lay these ground rules and groundwork out. And honestly, that's trouble. That's set up for trouble. Yeah, which is called, which is, so I'll just let me talk about aftercare and then let's come back to that because that's a really important one to talk about. So aftercare is where the dominant is now responsible, continuing the responsibility Mm. of making sure that the submissive or the bottom is okay, both emotionally, physically, and psychologically. Yep. And that could be as simple as cuddling could be putting a blanket around them, could get them something to drink, could be just holding space for them, could be just, it could be that aftercare, depending on how intense that scene was, um, could be the responsibility of aftercare for a 24-hour period afterwards, after sub-drop happens, which is um, something that often happens after a play scene where the endorphins are released and you're so high and you go into this place and then you drop and that can that can be an hour afterwards up to 24 hours where if you feel like this well this is drastic um biochemical it's like a crash it's like a crash yeah. happening, right and so it's the responsibility of the dominant to kind of help navigate through those things which is why we want to negotiate before we play with people period we want to do a whole negotiation of what are the expectations, what are our hard limits, what are our soft limits, do anybody have any sexual abuse, any psychological trauma, any mental health issues, um, all of these things, any physical issues or medis- you know, meds that people are on that might interfere. Like there's so, make sure yeah. you're not, you make sure you're completely sober. Do not go into a scene drunk or intoxicated in any sort of way because you cannot communicate what you need to keep yourself safe. Very, very wise, very wise information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about safety. Mm-hmm. And, and who do we choose to play with, right? Because that's, you know, what you were talking about is this whole concept of as you're listening, you know, for everybody's listening, they're like, oh, there's all this love. You know, I have, I have a saying, I only spank from love, never from anger. <laughs> 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 and so as the dominant, it's really important to be in check and balance with where you are on an emotional level. And if you are emotionally distraught and angry or frustrated, that's when you do not, you should not play with your, your submissive. You shouldn't engage. No. You shouldn't engage at all because then you can, it's easy to cross the line from being consent and happy and healthy and everybody's getting fun and everybody's getting off to becoming abusive. Right. Called abuse is what it is, right? And that's where we see some serious distinctions inside this space is the abuse in comparison to the fun play that it can be. And that's why I think a lot of people have a really messed up view of what BDSM actually can be. Mm-hmm. 
because it can be an incredible space for growth, for healing, for expanding, for testing your own, for surrendering, for testing your own boundaries, for so many things. Mm-hmm. And it can be an incredible healing space for many, many people. Oh, profound, profound, profoundly healing. But it can also be extremely destructive when it's set up wrong. Yeah. And you need to be aware of that. And I think that's, you know, if, if anybody who's listening has been thinking about wanting to explore some of their desires and their kinks and these exploration, that's what you, it, it, to make sure that this is a safe, sacred, define, fun, epic experience, you need <laughs> to set up all of the things that we're talking about. First. And first. First. Right. Right. So it you which means that there's a lot of conversations that need to happen. And you need to know who the person is and not be in the role. So like, for example, often when I've had uh, submissives want to meet me, right, as a, you know, being the dom. And they want because they're so horny and they're like in that space and they're just like, I just want you to take charge. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Until we have the rules of engagement, the hard limits, uh, what, is you, what is it you're wanting uh, for us to have that negotiation? And, and I like to have a contract, actually. I usually, before I play, I usually create contracts with my play partners to make sure that we're all on the same page, we have our expectations, what uh, everything needs to happen, who's supposed to do what and how, who's responsible for what and how. And then after that, that could be two or three meetings before, before anybody gets to get naked. Okay. And then we have also the scenario where this is a couple. This is a couple new to this. They don't really, they aren't really familiar. So these discussions are vital for a fun, healthy environment of play yes. in those scenes. And it doesn't matter if it's a new partner or a long-standing partner, these conversations have to happen. Yes, and, and I highly recommend going through your hard, having a hard limits list mm-hmm. and going through those hard limits lists together, do them separately, then bring them to the table and have conversations because that's a great way in which those conversations will happen of like, well, what do you like about that? Or how do I feel about that? And yeah, I might be okay with that or no, I'm not okay with that. That's where that negotiation starts to happen in a safe environment, but you have something to, you have a framework in which you can actually go through the, the checklist. And we remember that this is very important to always be non-judgmental with your partner. There are going to be things that your partner may want that you don't, period. Yes. <laughs> or vice versa, Yes. period. And coming into the space, you're not here to judge those desires and those fantasies, and they are not here to judge yours. So whether yours are really out there or theirs are really out there, it doesn't matter. You guys can discuss whether or not it's something you want to do together. And what degree, if any, and what degree? Because there's a lot of room for negotiation. This is what I always teach couples is that, you know, if one person, here's my perfect example. One person's true kink and desire is to be spanked with a rubber chicken while wearing a tutu. (laughs) Okay? 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> so, anybody who's listening. Does the rubber chicken squeak? <laughs> oh, yeah. Squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> yeah, it squeaks, right? So, <laughs> now, when you're negotiating oh, that scene, right, it can, it doesn't have to be the whole all or nothing right there's different pieces of that fantasy for for in that scenario one could be just being spanked two could be the particular being spanked with the rubber chicken three the third component is the tutu all right? right so so you can actually say if if your partner comes to you with something like that you can break it down into the different aspects of that kink or that arousal response and negotiate which parts are you okay with because a lot of times it i've seen it happen where the couple of first like no i'm totally not okay with being spanked by a rubber chicken and wearing a tutu right, like, you know. <laughs> hard limits no but they said the, yes to everything but they said yes to everything or no to and, everything right yeah and the key is to say well i'm okay with spanking with a rubber chicken I'm not okay with the tutu, but I'll do the I'll do the rubber chicken. Let's let's test that out and have right. some fun with that, right? What typically happens is that you get so turned on because your partner is so aroused by it, <laughs> then it turns into like where your heart, where your line was that you were like firm, you thought it was, it starts to move. <laughs> it starts to move. And then you're like, oh, what it's like, because oh what the hell? People. Because you're yeah. more playful in the moment and because you realize how fun this actually can be, even though the idea seems totally crazy and out there or yeah. ludicrous to you at the time. Yeah. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, what the hell? I'll put on the tutu. Okay. Like, <laughs> 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 right? Let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> and, but right. going, but I think that, you know, what you were talking about so important was that non judgmental space, you know, mm. really. And, Two things I've found have been really powerful to prevent that judgmental space from happening is how you negotiate the conversations is key and when you negotiate the conversation. So setting up the parameters of like, hey, I want to have a conversation about stuff that's kind of sensitive. So I really need you to show up not judgmental. Like right. actually say it what you need. Right. Right. So the partner isn't going to react from that reactive place, but they're like, okay, this is important. Okay. I'm putting on my game face. I'm going to hold that space. Right. It's important and it's important to you. And I care about you. So I'm going to be more open to what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Right. I actually had an, um, one, an old partner um, who has some very interesting fantasies that I don't agree with, but all at the same time, they're his and I can't condone him for having these fantasies and it doesn't matter whether or not I agree with them. They're his. So I just held the space, accepted it for what it was. We didn't do anything like that. And that's, that's all that really matters is you just hold that space and you're just accepting of this is just stuff that goes through their heads that they like or that turns them on or whatever. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. And I think that's really important. Um, and it's a good practice to do in all aspects of your relationship, not just around. Honestly, all aspects <laughs> of life, period. Being judgmental is not really helpful to anybody. <laughs> no, yeah. it doesn't serve anybody. Um, okay, so where else do we want to go? 
Okay, so we've talked about the parameters around kink and how important it is to set up the rules and the rules of engagement before you even start. Have these conversations, be very clear, know your exit strategy, know, know your hard stops, and if this isn't flying, what to do in those moments. We also need to know what to do after some of this play, because you're right, the endorphin rush you get from certain levels of play is quite intense. Yeah. It can be. And I, I've heard some very interesting stories on more of the extreme sides of play where like you're, the endorphin high is so crazy you can't speak. And when you're in that, you really need to be surrounded by some, someone or some, some people not left alone because the crash is hard. Mm -hmm. And so the, what you're talking about, the technical term is called subspace. Cool. <laughs> and so... <laughs> <laughs> subspace, got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm cataloging that. <laughs> yeah. um, where you go into a trance state fundamentally is what happens. And you go into the quiet and the stillness and the void. Of you. Of, of yes, yeah. or you become one with everything. With everything, mm -hmm. right? It's very transcendent. Um, as somebody who both teaches tantra and BDSM, subspace is the same as a tantric, meditative, enlightened space. They're yes. the same thing. How you get there is is different. Different, but they the same, the, the exact same thing. So this is part of why people crave it is because it's part of their mental well-being is being able to surrender and let go and to go to that extreme meditative space. And for some people, it's meditating. Some people it's dancing. Some people it's working out. And some people it's being spanked and tied up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it comes in many different shapes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is why we were saying there is such an incredible opportunity when you're willing to kind of expand your ideas on play, what you can achieve in this space, because you really can achieve levels that sometimes you can achieve from other avenues. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So let's talk about BDSM and why it's fun. <laughs> Well, so there's certain, there's certain practices, right? So you have our bondage, which is anything with restraints. You have your impact play, right? We have your impact play, which is anything that's like hitting. Spanking. Right? Of, Spanking. Uh, whatever sort. Yes. Right? Um, you know, you have your power exchange. So I'm, I'm just going through the major ones here, right? Um, mm -hmm. You have your power exchange where it's not actually about, it's about the mind and the power exchange in the mind that it has anything to do with the physical space in that moment. It may not, somebody may say to you, or like one, you know, a dominant may say to a submissive, don't move. They don't need to restrain them. That's right. This, this, the submissive knows that there's consequences to moving. And in that moment, that dominant has complete control without actually having any physical restraint whatsoever. So that's that power exchange and that mind stuff that happens that's really fun and hot and sexy. Um, and something here. So 
So a lot of people find that being able to take one of those roles helps them play out something that they're missing in their lives. I have met many very, very powerful people in life that take on a submissive role in the bedroom because they're looking for balance. Oh my God, yes. Mm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of the closet. I'm going to share. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. All I love right. when you share. <laughs> so I'm an incredibly dominant personality in life, period. And that's always been the way, that's always been the case. However, I needed to learn how to surrender. And in order for me to learn to surrender, which made me, instead of being an uber control freak bitch, learning to surrender has helped me to become a powerful leader, which is a very different energy and a very different way in which I move. But the only way I could do that was for me to learn how to surrender and submit. And so for me, how I achieved that was I had my ex-husband was able to dominate me and we started to explore. We, we started to explore into the world of BDSM. And he took that role of dominant in our sex life. And I learned kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to give up control, darn it. <laughs> and God love his soul for being so incredibly patient. And, you know, um, kicking and screaming through the process of surrendering. But I remember the moment. I still, it's crystal clear. And it may, usually when I share this, it usually brings me to tears because that's how profound it is. Is that that moment of quiet stillness that happened for me. My brain was quiet. My brain is never quiet. <laughs> I felt safe for the very first time in my life. I felt yep. complete, utter trust and safety and nurturing and unconditional love by my partner in that moment. I'd never felt that ever. And coming from a background of trauma and abuse, this is huge for me to have been able to achieve this. And it only happened through BDSM. Now let's fast forward. Because I know what that feels like, I can achieve it without necessarily always having to have my BDSM submissive fix. However, I still need that fix. If I have been uber large and in charge for too long without a session of submission, I, it, I'm out of balance. I'm out of whack. And what I need is to be tied up and spanked. And then I'm all good again. <laughs> we sit here and laugh, but there is so much truth and value in what's being said. I can't tell you how many people find that calm and that balance in life through the bedroom. It's yeah. just, you would never think that this is how they achieve it, but this is how they achieve it. Uh, yeah. And I see so many couples that come to me and in their relationship, one tends to be dominant and the other one tends to be submissive. And I, what I do to create the balance within the balance within the relationship is the submissive becomes the dominant in the bedroom and the dominant in the bed in in their relationship becomes the submissive so that it creates an overall balance within each person and, an and equality. It, 
inequality mm. in the relationship. And so where I always lovingly invite whatever you typically are in life, take some space, find somebody that you trust and that you feel safe with to do the opposite. Because talk about personal growth and development. There's nothing that gets you there quicker. <laughs> and also, hopefully it's there's fun. some orgasmic pleasure that's going <laughs> on through the process. And it's fun. <laughs> and it's fun. All right, it's fun. <laughs> I will say there is something to be said about surrendering to frustration too. Um, something I've learned recently and struggled in the beginning because it's a control thing, right? I didn't want to give up control and that was really difficult for me. But once I did, I surrendered. Wow. And you're right. It is like this ultimate loving, unbelievable moment that you share with somebody because of the experience that may have seemed so torturous in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say that there's deeper levels of commitment and intimacy that happens in a BDSM play that I've not seen happen anywhere else. And I, I say this not because I'm just because I'm kinky and I like to swing from the chandeliers, but I say this because when you can, first of all, negotiate and communicate all of that scene stuff that we talked about, right? This is where we open up our vulnerabilities. And in that vulnerability is where intimacy lives. And then there's a massive trust that you're giving and they are giving in that moment. Exactly. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And so it's like you're ripping off all of the mass that we carry with us all day long. Yeah. And you're just you. All of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the orgasmic, the crying, the screaming, the whatever is happening. The flawed. It doesn't flawed. matter. It doesn't matter. You just, this is who you are. And the person meets you exactly where you are and accepts you for where you are. And there's nothing more glorious than that's where that true, true intimacy lives. Yeah, because you're both giving that to each other because they're flawed. They're bringing their not so perfect self to you. And they're not best face to you. Yeah. And you get to experience both sides. You do. It's beautiful. Um, one thing I think is super, super, super important is before you start down the road of BDSM and any kind of kink that you're going to typically want to explore, please seek out somebody that is educated on how to do this properly. Because there's a lot of activities in the realm of kink that can kill you if you don't know what you're doing and if you don't know how to do it properly. And so even bondage for that matter, if you tie somebody up in the wrong position, in the wrong way, and you don't have the safety protocols and you don't have your safety scissors and your quick release and somebody has a heart attack, like all these things that can happen. You're playing with ball gags, you know, breath play. Like there's so many, you know, injuries that can happen, both short-term and long-term injuries um, when you don't know what you're doing. 
And the truth is, is that just because you watched a YouTube video or <laughs> you read an article right. or you read a book or you saw it in a movie, that does not mean that you are qualified to You're now an expert. What are you talking you're not, about? <laughs> you're not an expert. So please reach out to somebody who teaches and knows what they're fucking doing so that you don't injure yourself or your partner. Because there are, there are a lot of ways you can injure people, not just physically. You can also injure them emotionally and mentally. So it's very important to make sure that we really keep this in mind when we go into this space of play. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and have the right teachers in place. So speaking of teachers, I was just thinking, if you are first thinking about this space, if you're first, first curious about BDSM, what would be the first step? Would you, read, would you read some books so you have some terminology, so you have some background before you go in and speak to somebody? What would um, be the best I would, route? I, I, I would say, depending on what your learning style is. All right, so for some, you know, reading some books. Um, I like the idea of before you go into the education component, you want to have the desire component. So I am actually a firm believer that this is where you want to go down the, the role of like expanding your spanked bank, which is your Rolodex of fantasies. Allow yourself to go read, read erotica, porn, mm. sex stories, like get your juices flowing so that your mind can wrap itself around. The first step is always letting go of the shame and the guilt that happen mm -hmm. when we allow ourselves to have the desires that then the, the orgasmic response or the sexual response to things. But and the so shame and guilt is attached to the influences around us and the belief systems we carry and nothing more than that. So if we can yeah, change the ours. belief system, no, it has nothing to do with us, has to do with outside influences. So if we can acknowledge that and know that I feel shame or I feel guilt because I've had some influence in, in my life that's dictated this belief that I now carry, yep. we acknowledge that we can move beyond it. Yes. And so I, I think it's really important. And when we're starting this process of, of, exploring in our own minds and our own fantasies and our own, you know, whacking off time that this actually helps you to have a safe space to practice and explore some of these things without the added fear of what is somebody else going to think. Right. So it's like, it, 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 it's, it, it prevents that first layer of external fear of those extra people in pieces, right? So you're just saying like the playtime with yourself would be a good start. Would something, be a good start. Some things and that fantasy. works with. Right, right. I, I was going to say oh. like actually playing out some of those fantasies, probably not a good idea to do on your own. No, no. I, I mean, <laughs> not a good idea. I mean, only in your mind, not actually playing not actually any play. of the fantasies out in reality, but you are watching it in your mind. It's like your own little porn movie that's happening while you're whacking off. Fun, fun. Okay. <laughs> so that would be my first thing that I recommend. The second thing would be to then start to reach out and start to figure out who do you resonate with? 
like start to reach out for instructors. So there's different ways. There's online learning, there's in-person learning, there's, you know, getting a mentor in the, you know, the BDSM world. Like there's, there's, you know, hiring somebody who specifically is a coach in that department. Like there's many different ways that you can kind of start that process. So if reading is your thing, start reading some books. If you like the, the author, then find out what are they doing and how can they get, how can you get more from them? That would be a good way of doing it. Um, go online, watch some videos, connect with some people, ask for other people that you know that you've been watching and paying attention to, you know, but you need to feel safe and comfortable that they know what they're doing. So my question would always be before I hired anybody, tell me what your experience with BDSM is. What gives you the qualifications to teach me how to be tied up or to spank without doing injury? <laughs> why? Why? Just because somebody says, oh, I know how to do that doesn't fucking mean they know how to do that. <laughs> Okay, so that's really, really, really important is to do your due diligence and ask some questions and listen to your, intu your intuition and your guts in that. If your intuition says, mm, there's something off, doesn't, you don't need to know why, just listen to it and move on to the next, to the next space in which you can go start to learn. Something I came across recently, so I have a friend who decided they were going to hire a dom. I don't even know how he found this Dom because the scenario was not a good scenario. So they hire this Dom. Again, I don't know how they found them. I get this call on a Saturday morning at 6 a.m. and they're freaking out. He's losing his junk and he's telling me about the disaster that is the scene. There was no rule set beforehand. So he had no understanding of expectations from her. This scenario was set up so badly and he was traumatized. This is why I was saying like, if you're getting into this world, make sure you do, do your due diligence. Make sure that whoever you're looking at, even associating with or asking questions with really has the qualifications because I question that I don't even want to say Dom because I don't think that's what she really was, but that's how she presents herself. Um, and just make sure that they're actually qualified people. Yeah. And I think so that's the other part I'm, of that. I'm, I'm going to say this too. Like there is definitely communities pretty well anywhere in the world that you will come across where there really is genuinely people involved in this, in this kind of lifestyle. And, um, and have been in it for a long time and really know their stuff. So a good place, if you're looking online and you just want information or you want to be able to connect with someone in your city or, um, or in that space, I know FetLife is one of those places you can look. Fet standing for fetish, FetLife. And it's a good place to even just have, just have dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you get to that place of going to a munch, a munch is another terminology of a meet and greet for kinky people in your community. And usually the person who is running, not always, okay, so again, always do vet your diligence. people, do your due diligence, okay, but often the people who are running those munches 
are respected within the community and which means they've been around for a while and they can help direct you on who to connect with who to ask questions who might know what kind of thing that you're into blah 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 this is a great way to start to get connected um, but again do your due diligence and listen to your instincts we can't say that enough here because this can be super fun and again this could be something that you do with your partner and maybe it's something that you grow with your partner but know what you're doing and get the information from a credible source yes yes and and i know we're harping a lot about this safety <laughs> and we're like and somebody's like well why if it's so dangerous why would even anybody do it and we'll get to i promise we're going to talk about the fun side of things all right and you're going to hear my people <laughs> cackle and all sorts of things we're going to get there but before we get there the reason it's like you're taught as a child to not run with scissors for a reason because it's dangerous we are doing the same thing. <laughs> we are making sure that as you drop into this, that you have all the tools for your, so that you aren't one of these nightmare stories, that you aren't, you didn't end up in a situation that ended up psychologically, emotionally, and damaging you, damaging you for life, right? Um, we don't want you to do that. It can happen if you don't pay attention to what we're saying. If you listen to what we're saying, and you you're going to be fine. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna. Right? Oh, you're not just gonna be fine. <laughs> you're gonna be epic. You're gonna be epic. <laughs> All right. That's right. That's right. All right. So let's talk about fun. Why you, let's talk about fun. So, uh, how much do you? How much are you gonna? You know, you share. Are you gonna, <laughs> gonna share it? Or, or is your audience? Are you ready to share? Come out of the closet a little bit around this you're topic. Or? Right now. <laughs> Okay, so I will say this. I, I talked um, a few podcasts ago about an awakening I had. And that for me was coming out of a lot of closets, um, talking about a spiritual awakening. What I did discover through that spiritual awakening is this. When you experience higher state, the true self, this is the true self that is not attached to all the crazy emotions of judgment and jealousy and anger and resentment and whatever other shameful, disastrous, low-grade emotions we have. This is where you experience unconditional love. And unconditional love opens your eyes up to a whole bunch of things you wouldn't have thought before. So when I experienced this, I very clearly understood what real love was and what that meant for partners or a partner. It meant I didn't own them. It meant that they were able to do whatever made them happy and I support them because that makes them happy and I love them. Mm -hmm. So in a roundabout way, guy, I'm <laughs> I have also discovered sides of my life. So I have, I have been more on the dominant side of things throughout my life and explored this on and off throughout my life. And it's very interesting because really um, in, my, in my marriage, I suppressed this. He didn't, I did. Don't ask me why, because I still haven't quite figured out why I chose to do that. I'll figure it out. Um, it will come. <laughs> but it's been very interesting kind of reintroducing myself to this side of, of 
exploration and openness and how much I love it. But I've also discovered the other side and talking about submission and how much you gain from both sides, the understanding, the clarity of what you offer through being dominant or being submissive, what you get on both sides. So I've, I can't believe I'm even saying this on the podcast. I am seriously going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you want to give me a spanking right now? (laughs) Yes, actually, I would like to tie you up and spank you hard, actually, because I love you. And I know how to do it well. (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) Yes. So BDSM has become, well, was kind of a part of my world in my 20s and then stopped and then has become a part of my life again. And honestly, it is one of the most joyful areas of life when it comes to the physical side of play. I find. I find it's very joyful. Yeah. Congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> and it's out. I wasn't planning on sharing this. <laughs> but here we go. Yes, yeah, so I am typically a dom, a female dom, and I'm a baby dom in comparison to Gaia. Holy cow. Her knowledge is vast in comparison to mine, but I am growing. I am growing, and it's been very fun. <laughs> it's been awesome. Very fun. Awesome. So I want to share, I'll come out too. I'll share some stuff. Um, So I want to share the very first time how, how challenging it was for me to embrace my dominant side in a sexual capacity. And so when the very first time I ever spanked someone. Oh, so fun. (laughs) I I know. However, it freaked me the fuck out. out like I was not cool and collected I was there's a woman she's like I had a flogger in my hand she's like hit me I'm like "Eh." I like barely touched her she's like harder I'm like I can't I just can't (laughs) so like I I was like (laughs) I hit her harder she's like no harder like "Ah, I can't so I'm like fine so I hit her harder the surge of arousal and power that went from my feet up through my whole entire body was so empowering and intoxicating that I freaked out. I flew through the flogger out of my hand and I didn't look at that for about seven to 10 years after that moment because it was deeply who I am on this deep soul level that I did not believe was going to be okay. I was afraid that I would turn into a predator, that I would turn into an abuser. But you're tapping into some of your power and our power often scares us. Yeah. On so many levels, whether it's sexual power or whether it's, whether it's physical power or whether it's a mental power, it often scares us. And this is one of the most incredible gifts you can give yourself is learning how to embrace that power and use it well. And use it well with Mm -hmm. conscious responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. And respect (laughs) for yourself and others. others. You know, the, the rule that I live by is I do no harm with malicious intent. Ever. Others. Yeah. 
period. Um, and so during that journey, I then woke up, right? I started to, once I was like, okay, I'm going to revisit this now. I actually went on the, over that 10 years, I went into the journey of exploring my submission. That was when I really dived into exploring that submissive side. It was mm -hmm. almost like if I could understand the submissive side of it, then I could be responsible with the power of being a dominant. I couldn't until I, for me, this was my, this, this is only a sharing about my journey with that. Mm -hmm. And so once I was able to do that and feel and understand it, then it not being a place of power over or taking power, it was this exchange of power and a but gift of power. A gift, because you are, you are, when you, this is why I was saying, like, you get to experience some really interesting things when you take on the other side of the role. So yeah. taking on the submissive side, you get to experience the gift that you give as a dominant to your submissive, regardless oh, yeah. of what sometimes that gift may be. It may look weird to me. Like some people just like being peed on. Some people really like um, being talked dirty to or down to or degraded. Yeah, yep. that, that can be a really big turn on to them. It can be a really big release to them. It could reassociate. Um, a bad negative experience from childhood and make it something empowered and powerful for them now. So why wouldn't you want to gift that? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And so that's why going on that journey is so important. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I didn't truly, I'll be honest, I didn't truly 100% fully embrace all of my sadist <laughs> tendencies that are delicious and delightful. We should say, and, what is sadist? Uh, being turned on by other people's discomfort. Okay. Okay. So that can be in any capacity, whether that be uh, physical discomfort, emotional discomfort, <laughs> psychological discomfort. <laughs> Which is part of why I love my job, because my job is always making people uncomfortable. And so on some <laughs> level, I'm always getting turned on by what I do, because it's a part of me that's just a sadist, and that's okay. <laughs> so it's taken me a long time, though, to truly own that 100% without apology, without guilt, without fear, or without shame about any of those things, to just own it. Like, that's, that's it. But don't you see, okay, because as we're sitting here talking about making people uncomfortable in all these crazy, crazy ways, and you're like, oh my God, that would be horrible. Not really, because do you see the gift in what they're getting? Uh -huh. The gift is expansion. The gift is growth. The gift is plentiful. It is. It's going outside. It's going outside of their comfort zone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's a win-win. I get turned on by pushing everybody's buttons and they get personal development and growth and become a win-win <laughs> situation. I, know, I love it. <laughs> Same page, sister. Same page. <laughs> oh, so fun. So there's so many different I, I think at the end of the day, if you're looking at exploring and expanding as a sexual being, which always translates into the other areas of your life. It does. 
there's no way of getting around that. They all kind of work part together. Because it part is of part food. of who you are. Yeah. That the first thing you want to do is give yourself permission to have fun. Mm-hmm. Like play, laugh. If you notice how much we've laughed, even in this conversation, <laughs> that is what I want all of the listeners to do is to be able to, how can I make this playful and fun? Whether that's with myself, whether that's with my current partner, whether that's with partners that I have, whether that's with a new partner I'm seeking out, how can I make sex fun? Because what ends up naturally happening, you end up in the realm of BDSM kink, whether you want to or not. Everybody, it's part of everybody's natural sexual development. When you, you can't stay in that realm of vanilla. I was going to say, we need to talk about that too. When you get to a space of healthy, where your traumas and your influences no longer dictate your choices. Yes. All of a sudden, you want to explore. (laughs) You do. You do. And you start exploring. And where that line in the sand where it was like, oh, there's no way. Mm. I have a bunch of those things. Like I'll talk, you mentioned peeing. Here's a great one, right? The first time someone ever talked to me about water sports, which is the technical term for peeing on somebody, um, that, that I would ever enjoy doing that. I'd be like, no, (laughs) no, I can't do that. Never, ever, ever going to happen. Not am I never going to pee on someone. No one else is ever going to pee on me. Like nothing about that is okay. The first time that came into my sphere. Now I'm like, all right, who can I pee on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So funny. And that's about that evolution, right? Our sexuality has an evolution to it. It evolves. You can't stay, well, you can choose to stay stagnant, which means that you're going to have sucky sex and and you're going to get bored really quickly and you're not going to have orgasmic releases and all sorts of bad shit. Or you might get off in two minutes because that's what you do because you know how to get yourself off real quick and then that's done. And that honestly sucks. Sucks. Well, and that's all, and that you only get to a certain level. It's like a baby drop of sexual pleasure possibilities in, in that space. When you start to, you start to enjoy the exploration, you just continue to explore and explore and where that ends up by the time you're dead, who knows? (laughs) Who knows, but it should be fun. But it'll be fun. That's right. But that's. But that's life. When we look at the elements and the aspects of who we are, sexuality is a big part of who we are, whether we want to admit it, acknowledge it, suppress it or not. It is a big part of who we are and it's a big part of how we express um, communi- and communicate to our partners. Mm-hmm. And it's a very strong connection we have with our partners. And it's really sad when we don't actually allow ourselves the opportunity to explore that or to really expand in that space mm-hmm. because we're kind of robbing ourselves and them of these really spectacular moments. Oh, and of, of pleasure beyond your wildest possibilities of pleasure possibilities, including even the pain and the pleasure of those pleasure possibilities that can happen. Like you're, you're, you really truly are denying that joy 
of life, being alive. Okay, I have to say, most people my age got spanked as kids, right? Those were not pleasurable moments, being spanked with wooden spoons or whatever you got spanked with, because almost every mom spanked with a wooden spoon. It's funny because I've literally talked to probably 10 people who have all been spanked with wooden spoons by their mom. (laughs) But there is something really fun about being spanked as an adult because you are not being bad in this scenario. Again, it's just a reframing of a negative experience and making it something really great and fun and playful. And playful. And it's reclaiming it. That's yep. fundamentally what it is. It's a reclaiming of that space, a word, an activity, an experience, um, and you know, reclaiming it and creating an orgasmic response to it, uh, a sexual arousal response to it. Um, which then reframes the whole narrative in your brain. It makes it fun and good. Fun and good. Um, Just like some of your kinks and desires may have come or been created from a place of trauma. A lot of them are. Yes. Right. A, A lot of them are. And so you have two choices. You can reclaim that and consciously, and consciously reclaim them, or you can reenact and reinforce them. And I think that that's one of the really important things that when you have trauma and you're going into the realm of BDSM, you learn how to do that differently so that you aren't re-victimizing yourself over and over and over again. Right. So I, I use this terminology all the time, empower the disempowerment when it comes to any trauma or any significant experience in your life that had an impact. Because it's so crucial for us to take our power back out of something that we felt powerless in. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways we can do it. But we have to be consciously choosing it. And what Mm -hmm. happens in the realm of BDSM, and this is where things get really can be really messy and really quickly and turn into some pretty dysfunctional shit is when we aren't consciously aware that we're choosing that. It's like we're trying to have a different outcome, but we're doing it the same way without going into it on a conscious level. Right. So being aware. Being aware Mm -hmm. is super important. Being aware, being consciously aware and making sure that the person that you're playing with has the skill sets to handle that trauma because that's also can traumatize if you have trauma and you come into a play scene and you don't first of all tell the person that you have trauma that you're playing with um it can you can traumatize (laughs) your doms because you they didn't know about this trauma that existed and they can't support you in reclaiming it because now you've actually avert become you've been triggered and you're now reliving the trauma and you've now put them in the role of perpetrator and all of that cannot look very nice and not healthy it's a very lose-lose situation all parties are losing yes all parties are losing there is no benefit to that as so as somebody who specializes in dealing with sexual trauma and morality in relation to kink it's super 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 important that if you have physical and sexual trauma that you must know how to navigate that into the and when you're bringing it into the bedroom so that it's not a revictimization 
Okay. So again, I think, I think to myself for people who are married and this is now something they are looking to explore. So their partner has no prior knowledge, no prior experience, and they don't either. How do they seek out guidance to break through that trauma so that all parties are good? Then I suggest that they reach out to a profession, a professional, professional. That, that does trauma stuff, whether that's me, you, somebody that works really in the realm of trauma, of, uh, dealing with trauma. Because there's things that happen and there's neural pathways that are created when, Toronto, when trauma happens, right? And those are very different than other, other neural pathways that are created in childhood. And so you, in order to unravel that and to reprogram it and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you have to, you really do need to have somebody who's an expert that you can reach out as a couple to help you navigate that. It's doable. It's incredibly doable. But you do need, in order for it to not destroy your marriage or your relationship, you want right. to have the support, the professional support in that department. Totally agree. Totally agree. Trauma is one of those, one of those things. I, I see people walking around all the time living in their trauma, but not understanding they're living in their trauma. And trauma also carries a resonance with it, not just the neural pathway, which the neural pathway is something that needs to be broken, not relived. So that should be very clear. Traumas are never meant to be relived. You no. don't have to walk through it again and again to resolve it ever. That is no. not how we, that's not how we deal with a trauma. There's also the emotional resonance that sits in your body. So unlike the neural pathway, there's other parts to it that also need to be released. Traumas are very interesting how they function in the body. Oh, huge, huge. Yeah. So, so you need to clear that stuff out on the body, the mind, the spirit, the energy, all the energy. of it that, is, yep. that, that has been created from that traumatic space and how, that's, how the decisions you make, everything's coming from those places. So if you're gonna dive into this exploration in your partnership, which I lovingly invite you to yep. do, absolutely, but make sure you get some support. That's, that's basically at the end of the day. Just make sure you have, you have a, a part of your support team, is that somebody who can help navigate when those things come up, how do we move through them? How do, how's your partner support it? What needs to happen in that scene when that, you know, when, when somebody's triggered, like all of those kind of things so that we don't reinforce, relive and re-victimize. Right. And honestly, re being able to reestablish something very positive to a sexual trauma, incredibly powerful for that person moving forward. What an incredible gift. This is why so, I find BDSM so awesome. <laughs> well, it is because it, it, it allows you to drop in to do all of the imprinting that needs to happen in a very short order of business. Yeah. <laughs> so it does. And it's so fun. <laughs> and it's fun when you do it, when you do it with, with love and respect and consent, safe, sane and consensual. <laughs> Yeah, it's a trusting environment, right? Trust is key, and we build trust through vulnerability and communication. Period. Yeah. Without that, you have none. And establishing rules. Yes. And Safe sticking protocols. to those. Yeah. 
Beautiful. All right. All right. So, Is there anything that we did not cover in this? <laughs> well, I think there's lots of things we didn't cover, but I for for uh, an overview. Oh, yeah. An and an overview. opening to this world. And to an opening of this world, um, you know, I lovingly invite you to, you know, go explore. For anybody who's like, you know, I'd like to have a guide. I would like a guide on this adventure. I have a guided BDSM 101 online course starting in November. <laughs> How fun is that? How fun I is that? I know. So if you're like newbies and you're like, okay, where do I go? And what do I do? Blah, blah, blah. Sign up for my class. And every week, it's like seven weeks. We'll go through all the things that you need to know and how to navigate that and how to negotiate that. And what are all the tools and the toys and the implements and the outfits and the roles that you get to play? <laughs> <laughs> how fun is that? Starts November, November 5th. It's Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So November 5th to December 17th. Cool. And this is like an hour-long webinar. What's the setup? It's two-hour class for seven weeks. Excellent. So you're going to come hang out with me for seven weeks. I might just come hang out just because it'd be fun. I promise I won't be that student in the class going, but, but, but. <laughs> That's fine, because if you do, I, I know how to handle early students. <laughs> not my first rodeo, Brandy. Not my first rodeo. <laughs> Darn it. Can't be the heckler in the back of the room. Shit. <laughs> Don't make no. me bring out my riding crop. <laughs> gonna, oh, riding crops. That's no big deal. <laughs> the belt, however, the belt can be seriously fun. <laughs> My favorite, okay, so before we end, right, my favorite implement to spank with is my wooden spoon. That is so funny. That is so funny. I have a whole dungeon filled with incredibly expensive, handcrafted mm -hmm. toys for me, Tools. and my favorite mm -hmm. is the wooden spoon. Okay, so I have to admit this. Oh, I probably shouldn't admit this on, <laughs> on here, but okay, so I dated someone. I dated someone, and they'll know if they listen to this. I dated someone that used to get himself in a lot of trouble with me. And he was a brat. There, oh, oh, and speaking of which, actually, if you want to know some of your kinks and you want to know some of the things you're interested in, take something called the BDSM test. Org. So if you go to bdsmtest.org, it's a great test to do. Do the full length test or the long, longer version. I think it takes about seven minutes maybe. And it's fantastic. It'll give you a breakdown and it actually gives you definitions for each of these roles. So anyways, he was a brat and turns out I'm quite a good brat tamer. So he would be a complete brat. And when I would see him, I would lay out some tools and say, which one would you like? I was kind in that respect. He was always going to get it but it was just a matter of which tool would be used. He would always pick the worst one. So I have a paddle brush, brush for your hair, and it's hard and painful. <laughs> I have paddles. I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> um, 
crops and other tools. And he always picked the brush and the brush hurts the most. Honestly, out of yeah. all of the tools I've got, it hurts the most. And he always picked that. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. funny. Yeah. Always. Well, because they're a brat for a reason. Yes. And they want the punishment. And they there's something the punishment. to be said about being punished for your brattiness. Because yeah. again, it's reassociating something that was very potentially destructive, negative, bad experiences when we were kids and turning it into something really playful, fun, and enjoyable. Exactly. Hello, role play. <laughs> exactly. Role play. So much fun. So much fun. Okay. Yes. All right. So happy, happy uh, whacking and, <laughs> and spanking. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast, this episode, <laughs> and that you got a lot of fun ideas on even how to start the discussion with yeah. your partner, whether you have a, whether you have a permanent partner now, um, be that in marriage, be that outside of marriage, or whether you're just um, seeking out new partners or however that's, this may lay out. But we hope that we really gave you enough information to one, have the conversations, be bold, and get outside your comfort zones and do something that really is quite enjoyable. And to explore a whole different side of you. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes! yes! <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much for being with us again. I Seriously, I could do a podcast with you on a regular basis. <laughs> talk about sex all the time. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank right, you bye-bye. so much for being on here. It was fun as always, my dear. Have a fabulous day. Bye-bye. And that concludes our conversation on BDSM. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to get a hold of Gaia, you can absolutely reach her through any of the contacts I'll have inside the show notes. So enjoy. And if you're interested in signing up for BDSM 101, absolutely check her out and sign up for a course. It sounds really interesting. and And if you're new to the world or something you're even curious about, then check it out. It's a safe place to go. Come check us out at fearitgoes.com. If you have not signed up for the newsletter yet, you are missing out. Every week, I send out a newsletter completely different than the podcast based on tools, tips, things that you can utilize in your life to make it better. I believe, firmly believe that this world will be a better place when we are better people. So the more we do on ourselves, the better we are out in the world today and the better other people will be with us too. Come sign up for our newsletter. Come like us at Fair Goes on this podcast. I'd love to hear your comments. We've had some interesting comments come in about the sex series and I've really thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been so fun. I'm contemplating whether or not I'm going to run one more or whether we're going to wrap with BDSM. It's been such a fun run. I guess we'll find out next week because I'm not really sure what I'm going to do yet. So it's just as big a surprise for you as it is for me. (laughs) Until next week, my beautiful peeps, I want you to think about this. Your life can be absolutely exceptional. Nothing holds you back from it, but the layers of experience that we've had in our lives, the beliefs that we carry that drive our actions. If you want those cleared, If you want to move through them and really be the exception to the rule, 
contact me at Fair Ghosts. There's nothing stopping you from living that extraordinary life. Nothing. It's just a few little sweeps away. <laughs> In this case, it might be a few little clicks away on your on your computer. So <laughs> anyways, until next week, my beautiful peeps cannot wait, beautiful souls, to see what comes next week. Until then, have an absolutely extraordinary week. Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $499 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details.